Merry Christmas. It is good to see you all. And if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Andrew. And uh, they said it right. Then there was a big party. And that's why we're here to celebrate the truth and the wonder of a God who so loved us that he sent his son to dwell among us that in him we may have life. This is the truth that we reflect on that we've been spending 24 days building up to getting ready for this moment. And as Pastor Sam said earlier, we want to encourage you just to stop for a minute with all the lists that are in your head, all the things that you know still need to be wrapped. You're like, thanks for reminding me. All the stuff that you have to do, just stop and let's just for a moment step back into the wonder of this truth. That word wonder, it's that feeling you have when you are running to the Christmas tree, right? That wondrous feeling of the first sip of coffee in the morning. It's that, that wonder of that, that burst of hope that suddenly is awakened in you that hasn't been there for a long time or that feeling of wonder when you look up at the starry night and you realize just how small you are. Or when you look out and you see the sun as it's drifting away, but it's painting the sky with colors that just cause you to stop in complete awe. Or that wonder of wondering just how long this guy is going to talk before you can go home. Right? <laughs> see, this story all centers around this king who would come. And he was greeted by shepherds who suddenly, as they were doing the ordinary, saw a host of angels that came around them proclaiming that one had come to save them. And so in the midst of the ordinary, these shepherds were awoken to the wonder of the extraordinary, and they ran to see just what waited for them. Who is this one who was to come? Who is this one that we speak of on this day every year? Because the story of Christmas is, is one that we've become much too familiar with, right? We, we walk through this every year, and the danger of that is that we can take this story and it can start to become docile or tame or safe. See, often we come to the Christmas story with images like we just saw of those kids in the pageant, or perhaps maybe you've seen an image like this when you're walking by someone's lawn, and there's, there it is. That's a real picture I took. And what I appreciated was the, the baby in the middle. It's actually a doll that someone just, I think, forced into that moment. Or maybe when you think of uh, Christmas, you've been inspired by a galaxy far, far away at this time of the year. And so maybe your mental nativity looks a little bit more like this picture, right? And you see something a little bit different this time of the year. In our home, we have multiple nativities, but there's one in particular that carries significance for me, and it's, it's this image. It's one that my grandma hand-painted for us, and she gave to us, my, my wife and I, Rachel, on our wedding day over uh, 17 years ago. And what I love is that she, she kind of gave each one of her grandkids one of these so that every year as we unwrap it, we can be reminded of the truth of the season that Jesus has come for each and every one of us. But there's still something in this scene, right? It's so peaceful. It's so docile as Mary just kind of calmly gazes down at baby Jesus and Joseph looks over her shoulder carrying his one-of-a-kind handcrafted Etsy-inspired staff because I had to make one because we lost the original. <laughs> but when we look at this scene, the danger that comes with it is, is that it, 
it doesn't feel like it connects with the here and now. We can start to wonder, why, why do we tell this story every year? How does this change the here and now? And why do we pay so much attention to the there and then? And we can begin to sterilize this moment that's so full of scandal and so full of grace. And so the tension that we feel as we step into the Christmas season, the Advent season, is that we see the promise of hope and peace and joy and love while looking around and feeling the complete absence of hope and peace and joy and love. See, the image and the script of the nativity seems to be out of touch with where we find ourselves today. But, but that's where I want to push us a little bit because when we begin to move past the veneer of, of this image, we start to discover something much different. We begin to step into the wonder once again and we begin to see that the Christmas story is anything but safe. See, the scripture tells us that the word became flesh, that God himself would come and dwell among us. He would move into the neighborhood that a king would come in a small town, born in a manger, and a child, a baby, would threaten an entire empire. See, this is the wonder of Christmas. Because when Jesus was born, he came into a time of upheaval and unsettledness. There was unrest all around him. People stuck to their own. There was a deep distrust of those in power. Revolution seemed possible at any moment. And the spirit of Christmas was not in the air the night that Jesus was born. And yet, Christmas is this incredible story that tells us of a God who would willingly step into our mess, who walks into our tension and meets us where we are and points us towards life in him. See, God doesn't hope that we figure it out. He makes the first move and he invites everyone. See, if you've ever been the person who was the last person picked or you've had to sit out of a dodgeball game or you've felt un, uh, unwelcome or overlooked or forgotten or looked past... See, this is good news for you, that God is on the move, moving towards you in pursuit of you because he's chosen to dwell among us that we might have life in him. For the wonder of Christmas is that God has come for you, and that God has come for me, and that he's come for all of us in this room and beyond. So what I want to do in our time together, in our brief time together, because I know we have lots of ages represented here, is I want us to look again at a story I know you've heard, but push past the, the, the wanting to just be like, I know this, and step in to the wonder of the Christmas story. See, in, in Luke's biography of the life of Jesus, Luke was a historian who, who made sure to connect certain facts so we could pay attention to what he was driving at. And he tells us that there was a census that was to be taken, that all people were to be registered. And this included Joseph and Mary of the manger scene fame. And we're told, if you have a Bible, feel free to follow along or just listen if you want to take this in. But we're told in Luke chapter 2, verse 4, and Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. In Hebrew, this is Bethlehem, which means the house of bread. 
because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And so the story that we've been told over and over again reminds us that Jesus is born in a very small town, the small town of Bethlehem, not a huge population, not a destination many people would go to. And what we're told is that he was most likely born in a, in a home, kind of in the front room, where the animals would reside to keep them warm. And so the only place that they had to lay this child down was in a manger, was in a feeding trough with hay surrounding him, and he was wrapped in swaddling cloths. Now, if you're picturing what a king would be welcomed by, this is not what you are imagining. See, this is not the, the birth you would imagine for a king, but then again, Jesus was not the king that people imagined he would be because he was better. In his love, he came for us, not apart from us, but he came for us and dwelt among us, not in a palace, but in the everyday ordinary, just like we experience. See, Jesus knows what it means to be human. He knows what it means to feel pain and sorrow, and he is a king who points us towards life and meaning, even in the midst of all the chaos that swirls around us. So Jesus born a king, was cradled in a manger. But the story continues, and if you are a Peanuts fan and you like the Charlie Brown Christmas special, you'll know this next part well. And it says, and in the same region where there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. You see, just outside of Bethlehem, there's some rolling hills that you can even go and visit now. And should you be so fortunate while you're there, you can actually see some shepherds that still use this place to this day. And so shepherds would take their, their flocks out at night and they would graze them. But the life of a shepherd was one that was not very glamorous. In fact, in Jesus' day, most people tried to avoid shepherds entirely. As a profession, it didn't have a good reputation. They were considered dirty, unkept, and even dangerous. See, shepherds were tasked with caring for the sheep, feeding the sheep, and protecting the the sheep, this is their life day in and day out. Now, if you are going to make a list of people to invite to come and meet a newborn king, shepherds would not be at the top of that list. They probably would not have even been on that list. And that's why it's important for us to pay attention to what happens next. See, in verse 9, we pick back up and it says this, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. See, the scene that suddenly bursts open before us is just the shepherds doing what shepherds do. They're out with their flock. They're doing their job. Nothing out of the ordinary when suddenly an angel of the Lord appears and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Understandably, we're told that they were filled with fear, just as you or I would have been had we been tending our sheep and suddenly an angel showed up. I mean, let's be honest. There's times when I'm taking out the trash and a squirrel will startle me. If an angel showed up, I, I, all bets are off. I don't know how I'm going to respond in that moment. 
But here this angel comes and he announces that there's good news of great joy and it's for all the people, not just for some of the people, not just for those who are there and then, but for us who are here and now. This is good news of great joy for everyone. That is what they are announcing in this moment. See, he's telling these shepherds, these lowly, marginalized shepherds, that a Savior has been born, Christ the Lord, Jesus the Messiah, the Anointed One, has come, and he's coming to to save them. He's their rescuer. But the question you might have when you think about this is, is why do we need someone to rescue us in the first place? Life seems to be going just fine with how it is right now. And I, I think that's a fair question. I think that's one that we, we all often ask. But, but really, I, I think if we just step back for a moment and we begin to, to look around at the world that we live in and we suddenly allow the tension and the turmoil that we see and, and we start to feel this sense that maybe things are not entirely as they should be because they aren't. You see, if we take this all the way back and we trace it back to the very beginning, there was a moment when God created all things. He spoke them into existence, and when he was done, he looked at it and he said, this is very good. Adam and Eve, the the first human beings, had relationship with him. They walked with God in the garden, and all things were good. They partnered with what he was doing in his work in the world as we are designed to do, to work in partnership with God, to have relationship with him. But but in a moment of of rebellion, in a moment of failure, they chose to trust their own way over God's way, and they thought maybe they knew better than God, a, a place that, if we're honest, we've all found ourselves at some point. And this this rebellion brought forth a stain that we have been feeling the effects of to this day that the sin, this, this marring of God's creation entered into existence and it fights at us from all different angles. But here's the beauty of God's actions towards us is he didn't give up on us in this moment. No, instead he continued to pursue us, to provide for us, to chase after us with all that he had. Throughout the centuries, he sent prophets to speak of his name, guides to point us in the way in which we should go until finally he said, enough is enough and I am sending my very own son to come and dwell amongst you so that you may have life in him. And it's this very Jesus who was born in a lowly town of Bethlehem who would come as our rescuer and our redeemer who would take on this stain of sin and he would point us in the way in which we could go offering forgiveness and peace and life. He would come and he would give of his life entirely that in him we may have life. So when the angels are proclaiming that this is good news for all people, they meant it. That this was good news of great joy. We should feel it in our bones and it should cause us still to stop and pause and wonder. And after this declaration, almost just right on cue, in verse 13, we read, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Imagine this scene. First of all, an angel shows up. You're a shepherd just tending your sheep, and you're trying to figure that out. And then all of a sudden, without warning, there is a host of angels surrounding you. Now, this word host really gives us the visual of an army of angels surrounding the shepherds in this moment. 
But here's the beauty of what they begin to proclaim. They're not proclaiming war. They're proclaiming the glory of God, and they're proclaiming his peace that is coming. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And so the shepherds take this message in and they immediately go to see, did this come true? Is there a child lying in a manger? And in verse 16, it says, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered what the shepherds told them. All who heard this good news proclaimed by the shepherds as they saw this Jesus, this king lying in a manger, wondered at the truth as to what they were saying. And if we're honest, we have been wondering ever since. Because the the good news proclaimed by the shepherds in this moment is a truth that still holds its water today. It's true for us just as it was true for them there and then. This is good news proclaimed for all people. This good news that was proclaimed this first Christmas is still good news for you and for me and for all of us in this room. The child who would be born and cradled in Bethlehem had come to rescue us, to save us, to redeem us. And this, my friends, is the good news of Christmas. This is the good news that causes us to pause and wonder. And just to make sure we don't miss the obvious connection here, God came and proclaimed this life-changing truth to the very people who lived in the margins of society. It wasn't the ones who had it all together. It wasn't the ones who were held in high esteem. It wasn't the ones who had the most power and money. No, Jesus came and the angels proclaimed to the shepherds, the overlooked, the forgotten, the avoided. This truth was proclaimed to those who held no value in the earthly system. And yet we see this pattern being set forth for Jesus would remind us in his own life and ministry that he had come to seek and to save the lost of which we all are. And his birth and the announcement of his birth would mirror his very ministry in all of his life for he would bring hope for all. And the beauty is that this invitation into good news was extended to everyone. But we still have to choose what we do with it. Will we trust him? Do we believe that he can be who he says he is? Do we see that this truly is good news or not? And this is where I would encourage you not just to go through the motions of Christmas. This is where suddenly the Christmas story is no longer safe because we really need to lean in and we need to pause and we need to step back and we need to wonder. Not just what this meant that first Christmas morning, but what does this mean for each and every one of us here and now? Because the beauty and the wonder of the Christmas story is that God has entered into our mess He's entered into all of our faults and flaws. He knows exactly who you are, and he still continues to push towards you, inviting you into relationship with him. He enters into our mess in order to bring life and peace. 
He steps into our pain in order to bring hope. He steps into our sorrow to bring us joy. And he steps into our despair, bringing love, lasting and true love. Because you see, the wonder of Christmas is that God has come for us. For the word became flesh and dwelt among us. My hope for us in these moments is that we would never lose our wonder. For light has come and pierced the darkness. Hope has come to save. And on this night of Christmas, so full of wonder, we get to experience his love so wonderful. Would you pray with me? Father, as we reflect on the Christmas story, one that we know, one that we have told often and heard often. Lord, would you remind us again that you have come for us, that you have pursued us, and that in you we find life, true and lasting life. So God, as we step forward from here, would we not lose our wonder? Would we recognize that light has come and darkness cannot overtake it? Would we recognize that hope is found only in you? And Lord, wherever we are, no matter how, how much we think you can't reach us, would you remind us that you have come, that you are pursuing us, that you are pointing us towards life and life to its full in you. We love you and we pray all of these things in